Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is Game Changing Business Model Disruption, presented by SAP. The best run businesses run SAP. You'll hear from the innovators who know how to use game changing technologies and business strategies to help you shake up the status quo in your company's business capabilities and move your organization in exciting new directions. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, welcome, welcome. If you want to run with the game changers, you're in the right place because this is where the best run. Let's see what the buzz on the street is today. Okay, I have a quote from Clayton Christensen, often known as Clay. He is, let's see, a young guy born in 1952, American academic business consultant who serves as the Kim B. Clark Professor of Business Administration at Harvard Business School of Harvard University, best known for his theory of disruptive innovation introduced in his book called The Innovator's Dilemma, considered one of the most influential business ideas of the early 21st century. There we go. So here's the quote. The reason why it is so difficult for existing firms to capitalize on disruptive innovations is that their processes and their business model that make them good at the existing business actually make them bad at competing for the disruption. There, that kind of encapsulates what we're going to talk about. You are listening to us on Game Changing Business Model Disruption Radio, so I've got all the keywords in that quote. Let me tell you a little bit more. Digital disruption and business transformation are affecting every business organization and every industry today. This is a good thing because it's creating new digital opportunities for growth, and that word digital just keeps popping up. However, I said every organization, every industry, each industry is unique. That's right. They're all under that digital disruption umbrella, but they all have their own way of getting there. So why, where, how should you focus your time, your resources, your people, your money, whatever it is, in your industry, wherever you are in the world, to going forward and thriving in the digital economy? That's the question on the table today. I have a panel of three experts. We're going to hear from them in just a moment, and let me tell you who they are. First up, we'll be speaking again, and always happy to have him on because he's one of the sponsors of the series, Mark Gial. He's the Senior VP and Global Head of SAP Cloud Platform Ecosystem at SAP, welcoming him back. We have Peter Meyer. He spells his last name M-A-I-E-R, General Manager and Co-Lead of the Industries Organization of SAP. Welcome, Peter. And rounding out the panel is Sven Vitter. He spells his last name W-I-T-T-E-R-N, if you want to look him up. Head of Industry Business Innovation, also at SAP. So welcome, gentlemen. And let's start off with the opening quote. Mark Giel sent us one from, uh, some people call this person Bucky Fuller. It's R, standing for Richard Buckminster Fuller, lived from 1895 to 1983, American architect, a systems theorist, author, designer, inventor, and futurist. And here is a little more information. Bucky Fuller published more than 30 books. He was responsible for coining or popularizing the terms spaceship Earth, Dymaxion, ephemeralization, synergetic, and tensegrity. I don't even know what that means, but he's most famous for the geodesic dome and architectural design, and carbon molecules called fullerenes were named by scientists for their similarity to the dome sphere in his honor. So here's the quote Mark has selected. You never change things by fighting the existing reality. To change something, build a new model that makes the existing model obsolete. Mark Giel. How have you been? Welcome back. 
Bonnie, you're very good. Thanks for having me. I'm always delighted to have you. You're one of the sponsors of the series, and I'm always very pleased to have people who are movers and shakers behind putting together an editorial calendar actually show up on their own series. So thank you, Mark. Mark, talk to me about this quote from Bucky Fuller. It just seems very logical to me. How does it relate to our topic today, talking about industry uniqueness, getting on board, shall we call it the digital disruption train? Go ahead, Mark. Well, I mean, I, I think actually your Clayton Christensen quote was, was quite apt, right? Which is the innovator's dilemma is it's very difficult to, to basically drive success with that new model because of your, your existing paradigm, right? And I think this, uh, Bucky Fuller quote says very much the same thing, which is, you know, if you, if you want to change something, you, you effectively need to build that new model. And that's how you drive disruption. It's very difficult to drive disruption from within. You have to, understand the, the, the new model, the new state that you want to get to, um, and then you can you can drive that change. So, you know, I think it's a, a different way of, of, of arguing some of the, the key points behind the innovator's dilemma. Let me ask you a question, Mark, if I may. Where does the energy come from, or let's call it the vision? You're in a company, you're in an industry, you're doing what we call the status quo, same old, same old, year in, year out. You're doing well. You're fairly considered a leader, or at least in the top, let's say, 25% of successful companies in your industry. And along comes a Mark Giall on a radio show, and he's quoting Bucky Fuller, and he's saying, no, 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 you can't deal with just tweaking what you're doing. You have to build a new business model. And they're saying, but why? But how? Who's going to do it? Where does that effort come from? Is it somebody who walks around with a flag in the company, mark a banner, and says, "Today is the day. We're changing our business model." What's the human side of this? Can you help me with this a little bit? Oh, I wish I could. If I could, I could do that. <laughs> I probably wouldn't be sat here discussing it with you. Um, no, I mean, I, I think there. It, it comes in a, in a number of ways. I think one, you you see some very innovative companies that, that realize that they they always need to be progressing, they need to be moving things forward, um, but they also accept the innovator's dilemma and they think, okay, how can I incubate these new business models? And, you know, EMC with VMware, I think, is a good example of that where, um, you know, the, the leadership team realized that they, they wouldn't be able to, um, you know, deliver that next generation of product if they, if they had the... Um, the the existing status quo mentality. So they 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 let the new business form. They gave it the investment and the injection of funds, resources, talented people to make it work. Um, and they just gave it the freedom to be successful. So you know some companies take that approach. Um, you also have you know <laughs> companies coming in and and establishing or or, or shaking up the the status quo and disrupting business models and and you know we see this with the with the often two quoted you know the the Airbnbs and the and the, the Ubers of this world right that are disrupting existing business models and then companies have to change right because if they don't then they will not be successful with this new reality um, and I think now you're you're starting to see that that companies are saying okay well you know we we've got our you know one three and five year strategy but ultimately what do we what do we need to do beyond this are we are we missing an opportunity to to be truly disruptive are we missing new growth opportunities and 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 how do we go after those and I think that does require a cultural change 
um, and that can be very difficult to, to inject into the business because, you know, you, you, you don't want to disrupt your existing business too quickly. Um, ah. And... And you know, so how, how do you manage? How do you manage that from a cultural standpoint without without you know impacting your your current growth trajectory and the fact that many of these businesses are public listed and you know have to have to deliver results to shareholders and the streets you know every quarter. Mark, that's the first time I heard anybody say that, and I think those are brilliant words of wisdom. You said you don't want to disrupt your current business model too quickly because of the responsibility to stakeholders, shareholders. Very, very interesting. I don't think that's ever come up in any of our conversations before. Do you? Oh, we like to try and add some new thoughts to the to the program. <laughs> <laughs> You're smart and charming, too. Thank you. Thank you very much. And by the way, I have to add that Buckminster Fuller was the second world president of Mensa from 1974 to 1983. And I'm proud to say that at one time I was a Mensa member. I think that means I am for life. But I, I joined Mensa uh, back in the mid-1980s, and I went to one meeting in New York, and it wasn't the kind of people I wanted to hang out with. They were brilliant, but not socially. So this was before the Internet, so you can only imagine. But I, I somewhere there's a little card somewhere across my cross-country moves that says I'm a card-carrying member of Mensa. So I don't know what that means. Does, doesn't make life more interesting today. So thank you very much, Mark. Uh, Peter Meyer is with us. And Peter has a quote from Jim Hageman Snabe. And Jim Hageman Snabe, to many of you who don't know the inner workings of SAP, he served as co-CEO with Bill McDermott, who is now the current CEO from 2010 to 2014. He is a Danish manager and chairman currently of the Supervisory Board of Siemens AG and the Board of Directors of AP Muller Maersk AS as well. So here is the quote, and apparently it's the title of a book by Mr. Snabe, Dreams and Details, The Winning Formula. Peter Meyer, welcome, and how are you today? I'm doing excellent. Thank you so much for having me, Bonnie. Glad we to are be with del you. delighted. Thank you so much. Tell me about this quote uh, because I, it's just so brief and to the point. But we're talking about business model disruption, specifically focusing on what can you do within an industry. What's different, unique about industry? So tell me how the winning formula applies to industries knowing what to do. Go ahead, Peter. Yes, thank you. you. You know, I'm from the Black Forest, so I want to be uh, uh, simple, right? Therefore, I, I picked that quote, and I I feel, you know, you need to have a vision as a company, and uh, I think we all remember the year 2000, where we basically had the dot-com bubble burst, and um, I think, on the other hand, the new business models, as Mark just have uh, talked about, you know, they are easy to imagine. Uh, we are meeting a lot of startup companies, and I'm sure everybody gets engaged with, with a lot of uh, uh, startup companies. And the key will be, you know, on the discipline later on in order uh, to scale these companies. The challenge about what I have learned talking to a lot of our customers, the, the, the vision and the dream is not enough. Uh, it's basically that uh, combination and, and the challenge is the end. The end... On the one hand side, you have to dream and uh, you have uh, uh, to have the details. And uh, uh, to be very clear, right, the, deep, the dream from my point of view is really what you want to achieve, right? It, it's uh, basically derives from the purpose 
and it's a long-term strategy of an organization. So, so that's what I mean by the dream, right? When I talk mm-hmm. about the details, mm-hmm. and that is actually the second part, that is basically to really define where do you start, where do you need to transform, going back to that, what Mark just said, and uh, what, is the, what, is the, what is the perfect order to in- achieve uh, uh, your dream? So that, from my point of view, is, is really the key to differentiate what is a dream, and you need to have the details in order to, to get there, right? And one thing, basically, which I learned in a big way, you know, and we have a lot of debates right now, what, what does it mean at the end of the day in these transformations? You need the people. You need to take, take the people along, and you need the people to take uh, the appropriate uh, decisions. And, you know, maybe commenting what Mark just said earlier, right? From my point of view, I think companies moving forward need to continuously reinvent. They need to continuously reinvent and also at the same time maximize the human performance uh, uh, which, which you have in a company, but also in the ecosystem. So that's what I mean by uh, uh, dreams and details. So me, this is, these are really the ingredients. Thank you very much. And just let me ask you for a moment, Peter, if you don't mind, in terms of the details, we're talking today, and by the way, I didn't properly, uh, I don't think I mentioned that the topic specifically is vertical business transformation, understanding the implications. So we're talking about vertical within an industry. Is there anything specific, we'll get into it later in the roundtable, but any industry come to mind to you right now where they are so different from other industries that their digital transformation requires, I'll just say, extra special TLC, tender loving care. Is there any industry that just pops up to you? Yeah, I, I, I would say in, in particular, you know, you can take uh, uh, the agriculture business, right? One of our, uh, in general, the, the oldest industry, I would say, on, on the planet, right? This was, uh, you know, the, 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 the farmer, the traditional farmer business, mm-hmm. right? What is coming now, what is really coming in the big way is uh, how to reinvent that whole agriculture business that, that basically fits uh, uh, completely how to, how to run the world better moving forward. So at the end of the day, in, in that context, you know, the farmer, the geodata, the truck companies, the drones, etc., uh, etc., et all comes together in order to, to maximize the outcome. Uh, of the land moving forward of the farmers and serve these farmers. So that, that basically evolved in a big, big, big way. And that is just one example, right? As Mark said earlier, basically all industries go through that. But that, I, I feel, is a very good example moving forward. Yeah, we have a lot of transformation coming up uh, and where a lot of people need to keep up in order to, to uh, uh, ensure a better life moving forward for the people on the planet. Thank you. Peter, I couldn't have asked for a better example. And as I'm, I'm listening to you thinking about agriculture, we have a radio series called The Internet of Things with Game Changers, and we've talked about geospatial mapping. I think we've talked about Internet of Things sensors on coffee plants in the plantations, especially in, in South America, where the Absolutely. sensors, right, the sensors are telling the farm, I won't say the farmer, the farm management people, if the weather, how the weather is, if the soil temperature is good, if there's enough moisture present, how the health of the plants are going, the readiness for harvesting. This is very exciting. Thank you. What a great example. I'm glad I asked you. I, 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 want, to, I, I, I want to give you another example. I, I, before you move on here, right? You, you sure. excite me now here, Bonnie. Sure. Um, <laughs> 
<laughs> you mentioned you mentioned sensors in these plants, right? And this uh, uh, in these plants moving forward. Think about this. I had a super exciting conversation last week with one of our key leading customers. He basically sees the plants and assets and whatever you just talked about like a customer. In the digital transformation, what is different from getting sensor information moving forward from the plants moving forward? compared to a customer on his behavior, et cetera, et cetera. So the whole censoring from a customer and from an asset, or in your case now from a plant, from the agriculture point of view, will have a lot of similarity and the data will play a key role. But again, you need the details in order to achieve that dream. Thank you. Well, you wrap that up beautifully. Thank you very much. I appreciate that, Peter, and welcome. And now he is waiting so patiently. I'm so proud of you, Sven Richard. You're waiting so patiently to come on. We had such a, a good mini conversation here with Peter Meyer. And Sven has sent us a quote from Michelangelo. Some people pronounce his name Michelangelo. Michelangelo di Lodovico Buonarati Simoni, most commonly, thankfully known by his first name, Michelangelo, 1475 to 1560. An Italian sculptor, painter, architect, and poet of the High Renaissance. Born in the Republic of Florence, he exerted an unparalleled influence on the development of Western art. Mm-hmm. And uh, his artistic versatility was such a high order that he's often considered a contender for the title of the archetypal Renaissance man, of course, along with Leonardo da Vinci. He's considered one of the greatest living archit- artists during his lifetime. So, and all lifetimes. Here's the quote. The greater danger for most of us lies not in setting our aim too high and falling short, but in setting our aim too low and achieving our mark. Sven Vitern, what a beautiful quote. How are you, Sven? Well, thank you very much. And uh, so I love to be on your show again. Thank you. You're very, very welcome to be here. I love the quote because, Sven, this is just words of wisdom. We should convey this to our children when they're in grade school, when they're in high school, when they're in college, figuring out their life. Don't set your aim too low and get there. It's not going Mm -hmm. to be a good model for your life. So talk to me about how this relates to our topic, talking about vertical business transformation, specifically the uniqueness of industries. Go ahead, Sven. Yeah, absolutely. You know, but I agree with you. I think when I saw the quote the first time, I, I thought, wow, this is Michelangelo. I think it sounds so modern. Um, but when you look at his works, as you did in your introduction, you really can see what what this means. I think he was delivering outstanding uh, art in, in so many different disciplines. And when you look at, at, at our topic today, um, and this is a little bit also putting perhaps in a different perspective on what Mark said earlier, um, we have seen many customers striving to establish a new business model, and they have been all very, very careful and said, oh, I don't want to disrupt my business too much, and hmm, uh, how can I uh, deal with that, and I'm not sure this is totally new, and my people don't think in the way. And uh, then in the end, they find out, who I was too careful, and uh, I did not take the right decisions really to break through this wall. Because to be very open, I think establishing a new network business model for most of, of, of the big companies is a true endeavor because it's, it has so many mm-hmm. facets of change, cultural change, thinking change, process change, technology change, all those things need to be changed. So it's really, really uh, the thing that you aim high, really 
some people call it the moonshot, really aim very high so that you at least achieve the breakthrough that the new business model can fly. And um, so I think this, is, this, this, this quote perfectly uh, reflects this, uh, this ambition and also gives you some, some sort of motivation. At least for me, it's always something I, I really can relate to, to, this, to this quote. I agree. I, I think I've lived my life this way without even knowing that the quote existed. And when I read it, it becomes very personal for me, Sven. But Sven, do you have a, a, an industry you'd like to point to? Uh, we just got a wonderful example of agriculture from your co-panelist, Peter Meyer. And I'm mm-hmm. wondering, do you have another favorite industry we could point to in terms of that there is a uniqueness to how they should approach the digital transformation, the disruption? I think there's not only one specific industry. You see this in many, and there are different mm-hmm. cycles. Uh, when you take, uh, for instance, banking or so, they are so far ahead of digital transformation. I, I see this every day. My wife is working at a bank, and those industries really, really get disrupted by the new startups. And this is really the incumbents there, the traditional big banks, they are having a big challenge uh, to transform themselves, and they are hunted by these small startups. And when you look at other industries, I think in, in our area, for instance, we have also the mining industry. There you say, well, they are very old and very slow and so on. But also there, you see uh, great opportunities in niche, um, for instance, in the logistics area where they can pick up and do build yeah, those network models and suddenly they come up with totally, uh, totally new ideas. At the moment, I would say um, I, I receive every day new requests from customers really across the bench from, from if it's automotive, it's chemicals, is it retail, is it uh, healthcare, all want to move into the business network. Is it justified for all of them? This remains to be seen. I think this is a big trend and we need to see where it really, really provides value. But I'm sure that we will see here a, a big wave uh, of the next wave of, of uh, enterprise computing coming up. Uh, because the, the value that uh, the participants can gain from a truly living and, and a viable network is, is so big in contrast to, to the traditional ways. Thank you very much. Very, very interesting. And we're going to be diving more into specific industries as we move ahead. Thank you. Mark, you've done it again. You've put together a wonderful panel, really, really smart, insightful, and so articulate. It just makes my job such a pleasure and so easy. So I'm, I'm delighted to have the three of you. So, Mark, you all, let's go around the table to you and find out where you are today and what's your favorite drink in the whole wide world that powers you, Mark, to put together such great topics and interesting panels. Go ahead, Mark. So today I am in Munich in Germany. Um, it's a little bit overcast. Uh, first days of autumn are on their way. Um, September is a great time to be in, in Munich because the Oktoberfest is just around the corner, which is ah. one, of my, one of my favorite activities. The ability to drink beer all day um, is always <laughs> up, there on the, up there on the list. Um, so given that we are just around the corner from the Oktoberfest, I thought I would go for a, a meshing of cultures. Um, and today in my cup is a seasonal Oktoberfest beer from a Californian beer producer, Sierra Nevada. Um, well, so, uh, you know, trying to, trying to mesh a, a microbrewery from the West Coast with, uh, with the, the ultimate of beer festivals, the Oktoberfest. 
I appreciate your internationality, Mr. Keel. That was very interesting. You're drinking a California beer in Munich. Well, that's very interesting. I also loved your, your I, I wish I could quote you, your, one of your favorite things is the ability to drink beer all day. There are so many different levels to that, and I'm not going to go into that, but thank you very much. You, you made You made my day again. Good job, Mark. Peter Meyer, where are you today, and what is the drink that powers you that just makes you smile because I know you are. Go ahead, Peter. Oh, okay. So, so first of all, I need to admit, I think it's my first week this year where I'm the full week in the office. I'm in Germany this week, okay? In Warsaw, okay. right? Yes. Um, now, you know, this session made me really nervous uh, have, have, having you this morning here together with you on this session. So I, 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 I took something really special. I, I am sitting here and I'm like, I, I take a glass of Monkey 47. What is that? <laughs> I know that you don't know it. <laughs> Listen, I've had 5,000 guests on radio. I've got it here. I've got it here. Look up. It's, it's a Schwarzwald dry gin. Is that it? Monkey 47 dry gin, the master of malt? Yes? You are, you are completely crazy. You, you are spot on. Yes. This is. I have never been called completely crazy on Mark. I don't know about this guy. I, nobody has ever called me completely crazy <laughs> on SAP Radio. This we've hit a new Peter. We've either hit a new high or a new low. I just can't say anything more than that. Because <laughs> they've had half a bottle of the a gin is a gin. Uh, Monkey Forty Seven is uh, one of the best gins. Uh, and as I'm originated from the Black Forest in Germany, uh, I, I felt I, I need to pick the, the Monkey 47. Just uh, watch out, monkey47.com. That was not an SAP advertisement, okay? So oh, I, I know that. I know that. No, we, we don't do any advertising in the show, but we do talk about interesting drinks. I will tell you that I think I'm up to Absolutely. about 1,500 shows, probably 6,000 guests in almost eight years on Game Changers Radio since October, <laughs> since October 5th, 2011. And I don't think anybody has ever called out Monkey 47. And I'm looking here. Of course, I Googled it. And I'm looking at six five pictures of it 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 can get very pricey i'm seeing here it can go from 44.99 a bottle to 80 dollars a bottle that's us dollars of course very very and here is uh, very interesting i have to tell you this peter there's an article in foodandwine.com and the title of the article this is from may of this year bartenders yeah. are obsessed with this cult favorite gin as gins go monkey 47 is a bit of an outliner outlier bartenders often reach for a classic london gin or a local american brand this german made gin and i'm not going to finish reading the article because we could spend the whole here this german made gin is neither gins are distilled with flavor rich botanicals uh monkey 47 uses an incredible weight for it 47 botanicals Wow, this is new. Thank exactly. you very much. You you continue to I make my owner. day. You continue to make yeah, my day. I know the owner, and he had a dream, right? He had a dream. And, and details. Look at the website, right? Look at the details, right? It was uh, therefore I picked it. It was not just for the for the sake, right? I, I really thought about something about it. So this was a great <laughs> example reinventing the business continuously, have, but having the details ready. <laughs> I, I'm, I have no words. I have no, I have no words left. Sven Vittern, I don't know how you're going to follow that, but I'm willing to take a chance. Sven, where are you today, and what's your favorite drink? Go ahead. 
No, my God, no. This time I'm a little boring. Last time I had this, uh, uh, I think it was this sparkling uh, juice, whatever. This this time I have only a green tea. <laughs> I'm, so I'm on the healthy side there. And uh, so to just to, uh, yeah, which keeps me awake here and uh, really, really uh, set to be very healthy and uh, to yeah, make you become very old. But I can tell you only in 50 years that this is true. <laughs> Mark, this is a remarkable panel. What can I tell you? Gentlemen, I am in Durham, North Carolina. Rumor has it that we are going to be hit by 30 inches of rain and a week of power outages, but I think the rumors are wrong because the adjusted weather forecast is that Hurricane Florence will hit the outer areas, the uh, the coastal areas of North and South Carolina, but will only deliver hopefully nothing more than heavy rain for the next two days and maybe some power outages, but I'm really not expecting much. But I took all of the potted plants in from the porch. I put the swing on my porch, which is a screen porch, against the house side of the interior of the porch, moved the barbecue grill inside, and I think, as they say in nautical terms, I have battened down the hatches and waiting for the worst. Oddly enough, my internet went out, Mark, yesterday, one minute before, before a live radio show, my internet went out. And over the course of the next 13 hours, it was in and out and in and out and in and out. And my provider told me that everybody in the neighborhood had their internet restored except me. And I said, I'm probably the only working person in this neighborhood because everybody else is retired. So I did Two live radio shows and 11 interviews with the SAP Best Practices for Automotive event in Detroit. 11 interviews on my iPhone with the earbuds plugged in and the little microphone hanging down. At midnight today, midnight, 15 after 12, the internet came back on. And I felt like a kid in a candy store. It was so, so joyous. So whatever they did to my provider... Thank you very much. I appreciate your figuring out what the line problem was. So here we are. So I'm drinking cool, clear water, gentlemen. I think Sven was talking about healthy. That's all they let me drink. And Sven, you know why they don't let me anywhere near caffeine on radio show days. You understand that. So here we are. And you know what? We're not going to take a break because we're already at 33 after the hour. So we're talking. If you're just tuning in, we're having way too much fun here on Game Changing Business Model Disruption Radio. My special guests are Mark Geall. Peter Meyer and Sven Vitern, all at SAP. And we're talking about vertical business transformation, understanding the implications. And the question is, yes, we're in the digital era. Yes, disruption is happening everywhere. Yes, if your industry and your business don't disrupt the status quo, you may not be around to even regret it very soon. However, each industry has to need, has a unique way of looking at how, where, why, and when they marshal their resources, they have the dream, the vision, and then they fulfill the details of their own digital transformation. So I hope I've summarized that well. Mark Eel is up first. And Mark, I'm looking at your notes here, and let me just pick one place to start. You say, um, let's see, let's see, let's see. I think you want to give a, an example here. You say the move to digital and platform is impacting many different industries and you wanted to give me an example of Caterpillar. So let's talk about that. We're talking about heavy machinery and renting, new marketplaces. Mark, you want to give us a case study, please? Yeah, I mean, they, it, was, it was really building off of Peter's example that, you know, pretty much every industry mm-hmm. is, is being impacted by digital change. 
um, and really thinking about how they can use data more effectively. And I think what's interesting about Caterpillar is, is you know, they're applying um, digital to so many different aspects of their business to solve many different business problems. So, you know, at, at one end, how do they make their um, their equipment more effective, you know, improving performance, reducing the amount of time that it's being sort of out for repair, and they do that by using the sensor technology um, and trying to predict when a problem will occur and preventing it from occurring by being ahead of being ahead of the change. Um, so, you know, they use it to do to drive predictive maintenance on one side to improve the, the quality and the, the operating efficiency of their of their assets. Um, but they also think of it from their customer's perspective, which is, you know, many of their customers have made big investments in these very expensive uh, machinery. Um, and often they're not utilizing those assets all the time. So they thought, okay, well, why don't I build a marketplace where I provide the opportunity for my customers to basically rent out their machinery when it's when it's being underutilized. So enable my customers to make more money because if they make more money, maybe they'll buy more equipment. So you know, there it was a different part of the supply chain um, that they were that they were um, touching. They wanted to use again information about the utilization of of, of the assets and the machinery and solve that particular business problem, a problem that that. You know, maybe some of their customers weren't focused on. Um, so, you know, many different types of model. What's interesting about many of these models is that they're platform-based. So, you know, Sven touched on this in terms of the, the whole concept of the networked economy. And, and this is what Caterpillar is looking at, right? Caterpillar has got suppliers. Caterpillar has customers. And they're looking at how do they improve the efficiency and the, the working practices between those two groups of stakeholders to drive more revenue for them, but more importantly, more business value to their customers and their suppliers. So the ecosystem as a whole benefits. Thank you very much. That was a great example. And uh, you brought in a different, I'm actually quoting you in bits and pieces here on Twitter, Mark. Uh, Mark Gial, SAPCP, case study for digital transformation. Caterpillar set up new marketplaces for renting underutilized heavy machinery, put sensors on machines to predict repairs, and assess construction demand and asset utilization. I think that captures the thought. So thank you very much. I'm going to do this a little differently. Instead of having Peter and Sven comment on that one, I'm going to pick a topic here from Peter's list so we can cover a lot of ground in the next few minutes. Peter, here's an interesting comment from you. You say blurring industry boundaries is a constant theme with companies moving up and down the value chain looking to disrupt their customers and suppliers. This is another level of our conversation, Peter, isn't it? Where we're talking about not just the industry, but what is the definition of an industry period today? Is there such a thing as just you put an industry name on a table? Well, it's it's blurring as you say. So can you give us some examples of how this is happening and what the impacts are? Yeah, from my point of view, uh, as we discussed earlier, right, there is not one industry anymore by its own and not one customer anymore by its own in, in, in the long term. What, what do we mean, right? Very concrete examples. And uh, I think if you we, if we want to change the business model moving forward, you need, you need to really make sure you can borrow and I call, I call borrow, not steal, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you, you borrow best practices, you borrow the best practices from other industries and make an expectus out of it. Uh, and it is a combination. So 
let's say the the utilities uh, basically today utilities company they have they they know exactly the meter right they know your consumption Bonnie but they do not know what you what else they can do with you right so the advantage is they know you as a consumer of energy but they want to tell they want to sell you insurances they want to sell you all different kind of things in order to differentiate moving forward so it will, it's a big conversion, let's say utility, go closer to insurance companies, etc., etc. Retail companies get much, much closer to CP companies. Oil companies go much, much closer to the retail companies and to the utility companies. Automotive companies will get much, much closer towards uh, utilities. If you really think about how um, auto- autonomous driving, etc., etc., the hybrid cars, how, how that will converge, uh, the industry, so that even an automotive company uh, and cars will become uh, uh, software uh, moving forward. And the differentiating aspect is not a motor anymore. It will be the software. It will be what you do uh, in your car. So our prediction is that industry boundaries are completely, completely uh, uh, blurring. It's about speed to differentiate. goes a little bit back to that, what Mark was saying, and you need a platform uh, in order to do that. And then new business models uh, uh, need to be created. And I think the new business models will be created based on a combination of two industries, right? I gave you the example, utilities, auto, and maybe public. We talked about the agriculture business, uh, uh, et cetera, et cetera. And, and I think that will be the key change. Now, this is not only a, an enterprise, a company, it goes even beyond the enterprise, right? Mm-hmm. With your key customers, with your key suppliers. What will happen with the middleman? Most of the transformations want to get rid of the middleman, right? They want to get closer to you. They want to get closer to me as a consumer in a, in, in a consumer-centric uh, business. That has a huge impact to supply chain, etc., etc. Most of the people think only, I have a dream, you know, get closer to the customer. Guess what? That has a huge impact to the whole supply chain. That has a huge impact to the transportation companies. So this is what I basically mean by the dream and the detail, right? And mm-hmm. uh, in order to think that through, you have to have the details because, you know, it's like in a mobile, right? You pick one and basically it has a lot of impact uh, in, in your supply chain, healthcare and, uh, and chemical companies, right? How they collaborate. This is completely changing the way how we work and how uh, uh, companies also will collaborate and create business outcome rather just sending and shipping a commodity towards us, us as our consumer or to the middleman. Peter, just let me ask you a question before I, I pick up some notes here from Sven's list. Uh, my question is, if, if you're a startup and you're putting together a business plan, okay, obviously your business model will be new because your company is new in some way. And yeah. is do you need to sit down and say, okay, how many industries are we touching? Are we creating a new industry? Are we part of, let's say, automotive? Are we part of engineering? Are we part of agriculture? Are we something that is going to touch all of these industries, all of these supply chains, all of these business models? Where do we position ourselves if we want to do the elevator pitch? Remember the days when you you supposedly meet somebody in an elevator and you had a minute to describe what you do or what your company does? Well, I'm a company that touches 15 different industries, 24 supply chains. We are global. We have a footprint that is virtual. We don't have a physical office. Everybody is on a distributed workforce. How do you describe a company like that today? Isn't that part of the the poetry of creating a new company? 
Yeah, that's absolutely right. I think these startup companies, they have uh, great ideas. I would not, yeah, some of them start in, uh, in, in, in a particular industry, right? I just came from Perth in, in, in Australia, where there's a whole basement for a set of startup companies, which basically do nothing else than just creating ideas and solve real business problems, uh, business priorities for, for the mining industry. At the same time, they are looking really now for partners, right? How they can scale, because that will be key, the key topic. But I would say that's the exception. Uh, at the end of the day, they are not going in, I need to do now X, Y, and Z for a particular industry. I think they ignore that. They have an idea. They have a dream. And then I think it really, are they able to scale? And if not, they are basically looking at uh, companies who have a platform who will help them uh, to scale their business. And, and I think that's the most important topic, to get access to real customers. And, and I think that, that's the way how it plays. And it goes exactly back to what, uh, what uh, Mark said earlier, uh, where we need a, a platform where they can scale fast and where they have uh, immediate reach. I think that will be a key topic. So they will ignore the boundaries of industries. They will just focus on an outcome, and then they yes. find somebody who is able to scale that in, a, in a very simple way. Thank you. That's where I was going. I'm, I'm thinking. I'm thinking aloud while I'm listening to you and, and the other panelists, and thinking where where is this conversation needing to go? How many places do we need to explore so that our listening audience around the world will understand this is a very very big topic? Mark, thank you for that. Sven Vitter, and I'm looking at your notes here, and and let's talk tech here. You say the future business model for many companies is so closely interwoven with technology that you can't separate them. Your ability to master IT and technology determines the capability and thus the success of your business model. So, Sven, are we talking about you have to embrace machine learning and artificial intelligence and you have to accept the world of sensors, Internet of Things, and you have to go into deep learning and you have to do this and that. Are all of these technologies part of what you're talking about today and the ability to master them right away? Uh, well, absolutely, they are part of this. But the question is if you have to master them all at once. I think this is, uh, is a big question. I think when you look at these business networks, um, they are always um, – you, you need to connect with a lot of people. The network lives from the number of participants that you have there. More and more yeah, uh, participants, which can be people, other companies, which but also can be assets, as, as Peter mentioned earlier. They uh, are joining such a network, and then they both uh, or create the fabric of this network. And in order to regain the benefit of this, there are so many facets where you can, uh, yeah, can apply technology. I think first, if you have such a big network, um, you need to manage somehow the trust in the network. You want to trust the other participants. And there are options like, I think you hear this a lot, like blockchain, where you say you can mm -hmm. manage the trust in large networks where you don't each other personally, especially if you have assets there that are, uh, yeah, want to participate in such a network. You need a technical mechanism, a technology uh, that you can uh, bring them on board and uh, other participants can trust. Next thing, another example is when you have the transactions running on such a network, you create enormous amounts of data these uh, participants, players, uh, individual companies, individuals, and uh, the assets, they create data. To make use of this, you need these advanced technologies you just described, like machine learning there, advanced analytics, because that's then really what, what creates the additional value of the network, where you combine things that you never had before. Um, obviously, I think uh, um, all these new technologies 
are a challenge because many of the companies um, don't have the expat. Who, which company has blockchain experts? Some banks may have this, definitely. You see some in the, in the, in the, in the media uh, areas, mm-hmm. they have something. But on average, they want to consume this easily. So this is a big challenge uh, for the entire yeah, technology and IT industry to help companies to adopt such uh, technologies very quickly, very easily, in an easy way that it derives, provides a big value for the business because the technology per se is not, not, not generating the value. It needs to be linked to the business purpose, to the business process, um, how the, the company wants to use it later. So and this is something, the value creation really depends on how easily you can master or manage uh, 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 yeah, the capabilities that are provided by the by the new technologies. That's what I meant, actually, with, with the, the statement there. Thank you very much. Very interesting. Now I'm going to go around the table. We're three minutes away from our predictions round, but I would love to get Mark's reaction response to a couple of the statements that Peter and Sven just talked about, the blurring of industry lines and the interwoven of the success, the capabilities with IT. How quickly do you need to embrace and master all of the new technologies, what's the order of priority? Mark, any comments on what your two very well-chosen panelists, I must say, have just talked about from you? A lot. I'm not sure I can fit it into three minutes. Um, That's fine. I think, I think what, is, what I think it raises are, are two actually very important points, right? And it, it actually is fundamental to where IT and where technology is going. So the, the first point is picking up on Peter's, which is this is now about cross-industry best practice. And if you think about technology for the last 30 years, um, it was about how do I optimize this business process? It was a very static process. It was often internally focused and it related to a particular industry. And now what we're saying is, look, you know, the way you improve, the way you grow, the way you outperform is actually by combining cross-industry best practice. Um, so, you know, the view of a, an industry solution or a, or a predefined industry process will change. Um, and that provides new opportunities for these ecosystem participants to come up with these new models, to come up with these new business processes, and to come up with this new business value. Um, the, the second point is that there is constant change, right? So if, you know, business systems and IT was about how do I optimize this business process to the nth degree, the reality now is it's dynamic, right? Depending on how an industry participant wants to interact, you know, if I as a consumer goes to a website and I'm more price sensitive where, you know, Peter goes to websites and is more uh, time sensitive, those are going to invoke totally different processes to be optimized. So how do you manage that dynamic behavior? So, you know, cross-industry and dynamicism are going to become key capabilities, and, and those are very difficult to manage and put, you know, huge pressures on the technology. So, yes, technology is fundamental, as, as, as Sven has, has alluded to, um, but it actually poses a new set of challenges which could, could actually be very difficult to, uh, to solve. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. You did it very, very well, and you brought me right up to the precipice, Mark, of our predictions round. Mark, I'm going to suggest that you plan to continue this conversation in a part two. I think there's so much we can still 
uncover and discover in a conversation with this panel. I'm trying to make it easy for you for your next your next episode, if you don't mind my my help there. So that's just a thought. I, I think we've just barely touched the surface on. There's just so much interesting material here to cover that that the audience really needs to know. But right now we are exactly at the moment where we look into the crystal ball. We peer into the crystal ball here, September 2018. I have no idea where the year has gone. It's just galloping. I don't know why. They say it's a sign of getting older that the years go faster. Panelists, do not touch that one at all. Please, not a pop, not a comment, not a peep. So we're going to start with, Mark, I'm going to let you go last on the predictions because you just spoke. So uh, Peter Meyer, I'm going to let you go first. And why don't you take 60 seconds to tell me what you think will change about this whole concept of new business models, about innovative disruption, anything or everything we've spoken about, what will change dramatically, let's say between now and 2025, in your opinion? Peter Meyer, 60 seconds, they're all yours. Thank you. Yeah, in my opinion, uh, we will have a big revolution with uh, new technologies like machine learning and artificial intelligence, which we have not discussed uh, uh, today. I think this will free up in a big way resources, people, uh, as I said, to, 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 to think about the dream and also uh, preparing the details. From my point of view, it's all about borrowing uh, best practices, common practices, and come up with new models. Uh, from my point of view, in a big way, middlemen in the whole supply chain will get uh, uh, eliminated. Uh, or will have completely new business models. We have digitalized people, digitalized assets, uh, digitalized uh, uh, customers. And net-net, I would say it will turn from a, from a push mode towards a pull mode that mm-hmm. we actually uh, will have an outcome-based uh, uh, economy moving forward. And I think that is the key advantage uh, uh, for the people to realize uh, also their dreams and to realize also the business outcome. So I think that's where that's where it will evolve, and you will not anymore buy your own. Um, that's uh, that's exactly how I how I feel, and that's exactly how we see the evolution uh, going on. You need one platform to be very fast in order to achieve that moving forward from an from a, from a details point of view. Otherwise, you will not be fast enough anymore. Thank you, and I especially admire how you wove the quote from Jim Hagemann-Snabe into a lot of your comments, Peter. Very well done. There's a poetry in there somewhere. Sven Vitter, you're up. I have 60 seconds for you. Go ahead. What do you predict? Yeah, well, thanks. Uh, well, I predict that uh, all big companies will be, by, by 2025, part of one or more uh, business networks. They are starting to expand their current processes, uh, connecting them with uh, partners along the value chain, as we had discussed there, and starting to explore how to make uh, money, how to generate value for the customers. In this. And as these, these uh, experience uh, grows and they gain more and more insight how to create value and make money, we'll see more and more of those networks coming together. They will combine. So as Peter just described, there will be in the end, that's, that's my end game. And I won't be <laughs> nailed down on 2025, but I think the end will be an internet of business where every company can work together uh, with everybody across one global network. As we have seen it, very similar to what happened in the internet itself, where people started on islands, uh, then connecting through the standards and coming in the end, everybody could communicate with everybody and connect. 
I think this is something that we will see also in the business world. Thank you very much. Appreciate that. And Mark Gill, I saved you for last because you were first. So, Mark, what's your prediction? I can give you 90 seconds. Woo! Maybe not a prediction this time, but a challenge. Um, and building off both Peter and Sven's comments, you know, I, I, I would challenge that actually every industry has this opportunity to, to sort of mesh together um, you know, these platform-based business models that we've talked about and we've talked about across this series um, to build these new value networks, to, to leverage digital transformation as a way of rethinking their business and by doing this that they can, they can deliver new growth. So, you know, there is some interesting research that's been done um, at Stanford University that, that platform beats products every time. Um, and I suppose the challenge is, you know, understanding how that can impact your business to, to change that status quo, but to deliver that sustained growth. And, you know, it builds on, I think, Sven's initial quotes, right? We, as the human race, in many ways, are, are conditioned to um, not set the bar too high, right? In, in many ways, it, it's better to set a, a low bar and get over the bar than to think big and to dream, as, as, as Peter alluded to. Um, you look at how stock markets react to companies' performance, right? If you, if you set a a growth goal of, of 15% and deliver 18%, you're rewarded highly. If you set a growth ambition of 25% and only deliver 20, your share price falls. Yet mm-hmm. you outperformed the other business. Um, yeah. So, you know, you have to set the, set the right um, set of expectations, you know, dream as Peter alluded to, but this is something that will impact every single business, every single industry, um, every single individual within those businesses. Thank you very much. Very insightful. Uh, Mark Giel, again, thank you for putting together an extraordinary panel and a really interesting topic. There's so many ways we could continue to deep dive in this. So I'm going to close by saying thank you to Mark Giel. Thank you to Peter Meyer. Thank you to Sven Vittern. It has been a real pleasure learning from the three of you. I feel smarter having been on the radio with the three of you, seriously. And you were charming as well. And that's always appreciated. Shout out to Aaron, our engineer extraordinaire at World Talk Radio. I'm Bonnie D. Graham and here's my call to action. Fasten your seatbelt. You never know which industry is making the seatbelt anymore, actually. What are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer today. Just like Mark Giel, just like Peter Meyer, and just like Sven Vitern at SAP. Have a great day. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Game Changing Business Model Disruption. The best-run businesses run SAP. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Please join host Bonnie D. Graham on Thursdays on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week.